0: This podcast touches on some important topics regarding mental health and suicide prevention, which could be distressing for some listeners. If you or someone you love needs help, refer to our show notes for helpline numbers to get support. Welcome back to the Source podcast powered by B, in part two of our chat with Lance Burdett. Lance has published two best-selling books, Behind the Tape, Life on the Police Frontline and The Dark Side of the Brain, and has been running his company Warn International for the past seven years. In part one, we spoke to Lance about his time with the New Zealand police as a top police crisis negotiator and some of his high-risk missions. Today we are continuing the conversation to find out more about how the brain works and how you can master the basics to reduce stress, anxiety and emotional turmoil. A lot of people probably don't know that you've uh, published two books. Uh, You've got two there, Behind the Tape and The Dark Side of the Brain, which is your most recent book. Uh, What what inspired you to write them? Because you've obviously got a lot to share and I'm, I'm assuming, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of this good stuff... Is in these books?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, the the, the first one behind the tape, um, what inspired me to write that? Um, I had a story to tell um, and I was approached actually to write it. And I thought, oh, this is your I never personal story. So, it's my personal story of, right. of police. But a uh, major I guess, over half of the book is around my journey into depression and being suicidal. And then it's got lots of tools, but it's mainly um, for people who are, who just want to, I mean, there's lots of great police stories in there, but it's really about the understanding of the start of the journey of the, fixing the brain. Um, yeah, lots of cool stories, but certainly, um, you know, first responders and people like that um, are loving that because they can relate, recognize, relate right. to it, right? Yeah. The next one was, it was going to be a joke book, um, and I was going to call it Our Bullshit Brain because it makes stuff up, right? Yeah. Until we lost our um, beautiful niece at 16 to to suicide. And I thought, no, this needs to be a serious book. And so working with a a great publisher at Bateman's, we um, ended up calling it Dark Side of the Brain. And it's because all all of us have this negative e-bias and we have a dark side and that's the one that Overwhelmingly influences us, but you can change it. And so, bringing a lot of that neuroscience in, pr- I need to apply techniques, right? Mm. So, I, I've been in sessions where somebody would say, "Imagine you're in a shower." Oh, the hell with that! I'm going to go and have a shower, yeah. right? I want to feel the water. I just don't want to imagine the water. I want to feel it. So, you're water taking a people cleanser.
0: back to actuals. Actuals. Yeah. It
1: must be practical for me, mm. being a builder, mm. right? So, it's got to be practical. School. So, the book is with that. Mm. And then that book went so well, so i am now I'm on to, just started the journey on my third one, which the working title is The Anxious Child. So why is anxiety so prevalent in our young?
0: And from how young?
1: Uh, it starts about the age of eight right. is when it manifests itself. Yeah. But, see, in, in the dark side of the brain, um, I take people on a journey, and it starts off, dear younger self, a letter to myself, right, dear younger self. Um, your your friends could play outside. You were meant to go to bed. You had to go to bed early, and you lay there and you were scared, and you were angry, and you cried. But don't worry, I'm here. That voice. Yeah, it's
0: third person voice. And then how that mm. voice
1: manifests itself and changes when you become a teenager, yeah. and then changes even worse when you become an adult and ends up being your enemy. Mm and okay. so it takes people i take people i get I know messages from even psychologists who've said wow you took me to places i didn't want to go really um, interesting because yeah. it takes you back because everything centers around your childhood
0: so was this book this was in the dark side of the brain or the dark side book? of the brain dark, yeah, side, oh, of the dark brain. side of the brain yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, the amiga Dala. amygdala. Amygdala. Yeah, amygdala amygdala, amygdala
1: (laughs) hijack. It's a tough
0: word, isn't it? It is. Tell me about that.
1: Um, It happens a lot. So that's part of fight or flight. Um, Fight being anger, flight being runaway. Uh, The amygdala. So what happens, every piece of information that comes into our head, like I said before, gets tagged with the amygdala. It's not just fight or flight. It regulates all of our emotions. And that's the key. Now that talks with our memory, our hippocampus, and then it comes forward to the prefrontal for the action to take. And it's doing that. So we all have a timeline, right? Depending on, so I've got a, a, a little bugbear with a with a certain telco that I'm with. And that's marked in my timeline. And every time I'm talking with them, my amygdala will spark up, will remind me of every other time I've had to call them and I'll be a little ang- angry, tense. anxious, tense yeah. and, and, and irritable yeah. because of the very first time that I phoned them and then phoned them and then phoned them. What I'm not reminded of, I'm still with them because they fixed it. Mm. Because we have, we are all born with a natural survival instinct. We all have a negativity bias, but it's to a greater or lesser degree. So if our first three years of our life is reasonably stable, we will be what's called more resilient.
0: Yeah, or more trusting. Or
1: I see, this is you're there. you've just done it. I don't like the term resilient, why? Because people feel that um if they've had an if, like me, depression and suicidal, I failed at being resilient. No. So in my family is a gene uh, which is the the genetic disposition to depression. but that gene has to be activated. Mm. Now we know this through epigenetics. So with my mum who had it, it was uh, abuse as a childhood. For me, um, it was a blow to the head at the age of three, which a blow to the head can disrupt that. And with a family member, it was synthetic cannabis. And so uh, each of us has a different way of activating that genetics, and then we can mask it if we understand what's going on. But that's a whole—that's a whole. It's another, another session, po- another podcast, mm. right? Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you think it's I was thinking back just when you were talking about losing a family member to suicide, and um it's a topic that I've had a few conversations around over the years. I'm just wondering what your thoughts are around can you see it coming and because you'd think somebody like yourself, an expert in the family, mm. might have seen it coming. The masking that you've just referred to, you know where we get better and better at actually covering up what's really going on and Thinking about it, I've you know, with my own daughter who's had anxiety since she was eight, and it's possibly a little better now, but I do suspect that she's just getting better at camouflaging that anxiety yeah. through um events and through ritualistic practice things that are just part of her daily life, and so it gets harder to read as people grow. It is grow.
1: very difficult now. I so my family didn't know that I had depression because I was able to mask it right, and I was able to cover it up, they knew something was wrong. Uh, tried to reach out to help but that's not something that, you know, as a people we do. We don't accept help. Um, the number one sign for me, and this you cannot mask this at all, is they won't look at you directly. They won't it's not eye contact. You know, let's forget this stuff around eye contact. They won't look directly at you. They cannot lift their head up and look at you in the face unless you ask them to. And when they do, you will see it in their eyes.
0: So it's a body language. It's body language.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, what we do is when we are um, struggling with negative thinking is the brain goes into, um, it starts off with three phases. So I call it uh, the washing machine, the movie, The Drowning. The washing machine stage is when we can't shut off the thoughts, mm-hmm. and so if we, but they won't sit still. That's another little sign. Uh, then chemicals get dumped into the brain to slow it down and that's where where that chemical imbalance stuff come from which we now know is not the reason or the sole reason for it. That's a consequence of what's going on and at that stage things slow down for them, they become very robotic and then the drowning is I can't breathe, I feel like I can't breathe, somebody's sitting on my chest, you've heard that before, right? But the number one thing for me is the person won't look at you. Now I've um, spoken with people who have been very unwell where I was and I say to them you're not looking at me Uh, and they no matter how hard they try they can't even though I've told them because the brain says don't connect with people I've got you go home and sleep you'll be okay shut down shut down right Mm -hmm. Um, go and hibernate Mm -hmm. so fight flight so we're sort of flying but we're also going to freeze Let's just go and play dead. Let's just go and lie down and sleep and see what happens. That's the way the brain works. Absolute inactivity. Keep away from Mm. people. There's danger there. Mm. It's outside your comfort zone. It's not what you need right now. Mm. And we should be doing the opposite of that. We should be connecting with people. We should be exercising. We should be doing all sorts of other things to oppose that. But we don't realize it's happening.
0: But there's not a lot of external support for us in the mental health system as it stands. Oh, don't, yeah. There's not enough beds for adolescents who are at risk, so you'd know that working mm. in the space of young people. Um, I've had some first-hand experience with that, mm. um, with, with a friend mm. whose daughter needed help. Um, Mike King's doing some really good work in that yeah. space, talking about that, the shortages. And-
1: yeah, the, the sort of... Um, and and my, wo- my wife worked in that industry, all right, and I've seen some things that I think they could do better, Let's let's put that out there for a start. They could do a lot better, right? Uh, scheduling it, it could could be a, a great change. Um, and some of the if, if they updated their practices and brought a little bit of neuroscience, it might also be helpful. But really,
0: um, but don't when do you think it's more about resources and knowledge? Well, like short-staffed, short-staffed, like two, there's two current. Um, I believe psychologists working and with you know ADHD for adolescents at the moment where a normal rotor would be seven, so that just this, this extreme pressure with yes. lack of resource.
1: Absolutely, and that's but isn't that across also uh, medicine itself where surgeons? There's a lack of them, but they seem to be able to have private practice and. Yeah. And work in the, the, public, the, the system. public system. Mm. And so, yes, it is that. But I mean, if I have to take Mike, and, and I know Mike King, right? So we went to school together. There's mm. I mean, something in the water, I'm sure. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's how yeah. we ended up yeah. there. And when I speak to Mike, now taking him at his word, he's got counselors ready to go. Right. So, why isn't that being accepted? Yeah. yeah. So, so there's something going on, right, that needs to be explored. But do we really want another inquiry? to find out what's wrong and never fix it because that's what's been going on for generations, isn't it? Yes is the answer. And so what is the answer to all this? Education. So getting kids at the very start, I think, is the key to this. Yes, it's great to have all the services there now, but how did that happen? As I said at the start, go back to the cause. Now, the cause is our childhood, without a doubt. So we've got to stop somewhere so let's start yeah, bringing stuff yeah. early when you're five years old. This is what's going on. And, and Nathan Wallace, who, who I admire is a neuroscientific educationalist, works in a very similar field to me, but for young people. I've done a gig with him, been very lucky, and, and I'd like to call him, we are friends, you know. we catch up on occasion. And he's into schools now. So he's getting this EQ, EI, emotional intelligence. I don't think it's that. He's showing young ones how to... Um, deal with issues and it's not just about you know oh we should never have stopped scoring in sports no because young people their brain is more empathic Mm. they are they are heightened sensitivity to things and we've caused it Mm. through technology the technology that we use is highly addictive gives us a greater opportunity to compare ourselves with others and is breaking the connection between the prefrontal cortex and the limbic system and so they're spending all their time in their limbic brain highly emotional. Yeah. And so giving them some tools to bring them back through breathing, through understanding, through caring for themselves.
0: And physical exercise, movement. And physical exercise yeah. and movement. So
1: three things are happening in the world. One too much information for our poor little brain. Um where perfectionism has become a thing particularly in our young um, and they want to be the best at everything and when they they can't be they feel like they're a failure mm-hmm. so getting them to understand that and the way to do that is the third thing that's missing in the world is talking yeah. we're not educating and talking yeah. with our kids yeah. as we once did yeah.
0: Yeah and that's because you know our kids are removing themselves from the family nucleus mm. and they're literally going downstairs or upstairs to stay you know screen focused and it's getting harder and harder I think for parents to connect with their kids too. Yeah I think I of think of that. that's
1: true um but uh, you know my generation baby boomer so I will say to I will remind you know, baby boomers oh they need to get off their devices. Well do you remember when TV first came out I'd ask them yeah. So what did you do? You, you sat in front of TV? Oh, no, no, no. No, you didn't because TV never came on till six at night and was off at midnight. And so therefore you couldn't sit in front of TV. You know, it was this generation, my generation, that invented TV dinners. Why? So we could sit as a family unit yeah. watching a square box with black and white pictures on it because it brought families together. No it didn't. You're <laughs> in the same room. That doesn't mean it brought you together. <gasps> yeah. You're watching stuff. If we had the technology around, we'd be just as addicted as they are, right? And so it's just another generational thing that mm. we have it's to adapt to. Of, it's an evolution yeah. that's gonna continue. I mean who knows where this gonna end up. We're gonna be you know, you get off that hologram. You've been on it all day. Yeah, that's
0: gonna be the next thing, isn't it? <laughs> So, Warren International's, um, your full-time pursuits at the moment, along with you're currently completing a Diploma in Positive Psychology and Wellbeing, which I mentioned early with, earlier with the Langley Group. Um, so, you're working with corporates, and I had a good look at your clients. Wow. It looks like you're touching every vertical that exists, <laughs> from recruitment very lucky. To, to health, <laughs> to transport, to government. Um, it's incredible the work that you're doing and the scope and Thank the you. breadth of what you're doing so when when did you start WARN uh, and what services are you offering because I'm sure people yeah. listening today will be interested
1: yeah thanks so people say WARN why WARN you know why not just LanceBudette.com or whatever well that's, that's coming mm. <laughs> that's a different that's a different iteration of Lance so it stands for wellness awareness resilience and negotiation it should be communication right but WALK just didn't have a ring yeah, to no. it, so it let's, sounds Star Wars so, so let's call it WARN yes uh, and that's so wellness awareness an international mm. because the program I bring is international together, and then I started to travel internationally, and right. so I've taken yeah. this to the world. So what we offer is um, for people is uh, for mainly organisations these days is 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 well what is well being or certainly resilience. What is all that stuff? Well, it's just learning how the brain operates. So it's neuroscience mm. into the workplace, understanding how things are happening, why they're happening, and what can we do about it. So really, I ask people to be a little bit selfish, to be a lot more selfless. Understanding the way the brain works is the start to all of this. EQ, EI, whatever you want to call it. But I think I go to a deeper layer. So if if I was to, I ask the audience a question to show how this whole stuff works, how we're wired to help others and not ourselves. So I'll ask them three questions. Think now one thing you're grateful for in your work life, other than the fact you've got a job. That's the default. One thing you're grateful for in your personal life, and one thing you're grateful for about yourself. Chances are for your work life, you're thinking of the people you work with, or maybe some of you, the people that you help. For your um, personal life, most people think of their family, there right, or some of them friends, if that's the case. Friends, get in your family, um, which I joke about, by the way. Um, and for the last thing, most people, something grateful about yourself, you sort of go there and you see them going up and their eyes go up and they go, hmm, good point. I think uh, um, I'm kind. Yeah. A single so it's word. it's a struggle. It's a struggle. Yeah. Because we're so used to helping others and yes. not ourselves. You know, who do you talk to the most in your day? Yourself. Mm. Uh, if you're sitting there going, no, I don't, you're doing it right now. Um, have you got a younger self, half your age? Yes. Um, ever sat next to the emergency exit door of an aircraft and wonder what would happen if you pulled a handle. Most people do, right? An intrusive thought. Have you ever set your alarm clock for three in the morning and you wake up at five to three and turn the alarm off and thought you were clever? You're not. It's the last thing you thought about before you went to sleep. So understanding how we are the same but different. How are we different if a dog could speak and say one word who's thinking woof? Or what does a cow say, moo? No, never heard a dog say woof, never heard a cow say moo. It's the first thing that we read or got told. Yeah, That's the difference So is it nature and nurture? The answer still for me is yes. Nature, we have dispositions. Nurture activates them. Mm. And I think, or deactivates if you mm. like. So as soon as you understand the basic concepts of all of this stuff, you can understand your customers, you can understand your staff, and we show them tools of how to fully engage with people, including those identifying how pe- if people are struggling, if staff are struggling, and what to do to help them, to guide them, not fix them. Mm-hmm.
0: So that's sort of slice of life stuff. But then on the other sort of end of the spectrum, you've got radicalisation and yeah. de-radicalizing people who have, you know, you know, thoughts of, of killing sprees and, and so forth. So do you think that's the nature-nurture argument or do you think that the environment of that person was hostile and took over and just, unta- you know, untapped? You talk about that gene hmm. being untapped. I mean, how do you actually fix that? That's the other end well, of the Well, uh, uh, let me let
1: me ask you ask you. I'm going to ask you a question because you know, asked. Ask, yeah. So, right now, everything that keeps us to survive is fear, right? So, um, but fear is major it's mainly learned. So, if you put a child next to a swimming pool, what do you think the chances of that child going in the water is very high? Yes, that's why we have. You think so? I don't know. Absolutely. I, I wouldn't know. Yeah, if it's a young child, you think yes. Curious, curiosity would drive into the water. Now you've just hit it. Yeah. Right, so we're a curious, curious yeah. species. Put a child next to a fireplace. What is the chance of that child touching the fireplace if it doesn't know it's hot? Yeah. So we are yeah. inquisitive. We're yeah. curious. We're a
0: test and learn type. And
1: that's it. So we went down to the to the stream to go gathering and a big alligator came out. We now know in our memory never to go back there. Yeah. Right, and so that's how we learn things. Yeah, so events teach us something. We learn by doing. Yeah. Too. Events teach mm. us something. But with a negativity bias, eighty percent of our memory, which is what we rely on for the future, I know now never to go back to that mm. and this happens to us. We we can never forget bad things that have happened to us. Eighty percent of our memories of bad things. Mm. Unless you've understood this, that you do five positive for one negative, then you can overcome that bias. Yeah.
0: And and do you think that people walk around with that level of consciousness?
1: No. Right. Neither do I, <laughs> no. and I know this stuff, right? So I'll be walking on and thinking, wow, well, life's good, and all of a sudden I'll have that negative thought. Oh, yeah, but you've still got that today, You've still got that program to put together. You've still got – right? So it just it brings you back to the moment. Yeah. Um, very hard to have mind- – look, we're a species who looks to the future based on our past. We are seldom in the moment. Do I like mindfulness? Not really because it's only fleeting
0: hmm.
1: because you're waiting for me to say something, hmm. which means you're not actually – and when I say it, you're thinking, what's my next question? Yeah. You can't, you can't yeah. not do it. Yeah. I mean, that's why you're good at your job. And I'm the same. Mm. While you're talking, I'm sitting here and I'm, every now and then I go, mm-hmm. I've already formulated what I think I'm going to say. And then you might ask a different question. I go, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm not fully aware. Yeah. And just, it, it's a learned skill. Yeah. And at the moment, though, we are being faced with, the other thing we're being faced with is we're trying to multitask. Now, right. our brain does not like gaps, right? Now, this is what's happening. Um, if we try and do two or three things at once, here, here's how it works. You're driving your car, and you're, you're good. You're not on your phone, but you look across and just see that you've got a message there, right? Now, the time it takes to look down and come back to focus, there's a blank of half a second. The brain stops as it goes from one to the next, and that is what our brain does not like. It then it continues to go into fight or flight. That is why when you're switching tasks, trying to do the phone, write something down, do something on your computer all at once, you're having three blanks of a half a second and the brain's going, what's up? And it'll go straight into fight or flight and you are yeah. just, and you know, you feel, it doesn't you feel like taxed. those. And so straight away you're taxing. burning up energy yeah. because of this focus, 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 swap, swap, swap. Yeah, and I so doing you know, the old yeah. slow is smooth, smooth is fast uh, yeah. model of slow yourself down, do one thing, do it right. I mean, how many times do you check your emails before sending them these yeah. days? That's where perfectionism are coming from, right? So we check our emails three times. It's got to be just right. It doesn't. Mm. Get an email from me. It's yeah. just close. Is
0: it a brain fart? Yeah, pretty, <laughs> much, pretty much
1: it. You know, and I, I, so I put a post out this morning and I started it yesterday afternoon. I read it four times and this morning I read it again. I went, oh, you, could,
0: press you, you could do better. <laughs> and I just went... Don't care. Click, yeah. go
1: on. Yeah. I'm done. I've, I've had enough of this.
0: Well, there is something sort of refreshing <laughs> about that. So if, if if our listeners were interested in neuroscience, which is a big part of what you're doing mm. at the moment, and I'm just going to ask you this question, if you can think of a couple of books just off the top of your head, that would be great go-tos.
1: So the first one for me, which really resonated, was um, a book by Daniel Arman, Amen. I don't think it's Amen, but uh, it's called Change Your Brain, Change Your Life. Uh, forget the second half of the book because he gets into some weird stuff around colors, he might be right. But certainly the first half, that's where I learned about the way the brain operates and, and processes information. That would be the best one. Uh, you could also read um, The Genie in Our Genes, if you like, which is about genetics. Uh, but I guess the latest one, so I've got a couple going, but the one that is the latest I'm reading, which is very good and promoting somebody else's book, don't forget my books, is um, it's called Unwinding Anxiety. Mm. Now, this is a psychiatrist who has studied um, so he's a doctor, psychiatry, and now has found neuroscience. So four of the, the books, and for my latest research, are by psychiatrists who've discovered, mm. and it's changed their thinking. Look, there's one book called The Inflamed Mind. Uh, a psychiatrist had toothache, woke up the next day feeling suicidal, didn't sleep much, right? And I'm like, dude, <laughs> even I'm thinking... It's only yeah, toothache, yeah. But he talks about inflammation in the body and how the body reacts to ah, it. Okay. And so, uh, people who have got arthritis and that uh, inflammation, he talks about that and how you know it's the pain. Is it or is it the inflammation? So there's some great science and research coming mm. out around dealing with inflammation, oh, yeah. not the pain. Just yeah. the inflammation calms the brain.
0: Yes. Yeah. There's heaps about that. I mean, yeah. it's, it's probably our number one. Uh, Western disease would be inflammation. Inflammation in the yeah. body,
1: anywhere in the body for any reason. That's right. right. Yep. That's
0: right. And we've had some really interesting conversations on at Source about how to reduce inflammation through good diet oh, good. and the diversity of diet and, and eating seasonal produce. And I need to go
1: back and listen, don't uh, I? It's,
0: really, it's a really <laughs> good one. It even talks about the, the values of not washing, not washing your vegetables but yeah. having good dirt versus bad dirt and for microbiome gut health and so yep. forth. So, so now it, we're talking about nutrition. So that takes me to the food and exercise um, question that I had for you today. I um, mean, you've already acknowledged that it plays a massive role in well-being. So what are some of your crucial brain foods? And do you have a really strict diet or do you occasionally aberrate? Oh. <laughs>
1: Look, I think I think um, for me, if I was so strict, I wouldn't enjoy things. And I, I think it's about enjoying. So as a child, I was brought up, eat your veggies, right, and forced to eat veggies. Like, I mean, literally forced, right? You, I had to sit at the table and sometimes... Um, I'm going to say, It's going to sound terrible, but dry reaching. Mm. You eat it. It's like Brussels sprouts. You're, you're, uh, why did you do that? <laughs> Brussels sprouts and cauliflower. You
0: just had a look at and You glazed know, over and sorry. I just saw Brussels Don't sprouts. Sorry. And
1: now I love them. Yeah, right. Now I love cauliflower. you told yourself ridges. that
0: you need to like them? No, or you no, like because them?
1: I wasn't forced. Okay. Um, and I, I guess that might be it. Taste yeah, change, right? Free choice right. too. <laughs> and, and, and I know I convince myself that it's good for me <laughs> while I'm dry <dry-reaching. laughs> Um No, look, diet is, for the microbes in your stomach, very, very, very important. So I try and stick to a reasonably good, like, you know, do you want a pie? Do you want a burger? No, but once every two or three weeks, you know. Yeah. So when I want a burger, my wife just, oh, you get
0: really
1: excited. Bless her. She just she cooks the
0: best burgers. Oh, and we've started
1: having those, uh, um, the patties that oh, the are. the plant based patties. Oh, yes. Yeah. They yeah, are yeah. just great. And so I try as much as possible. But you know, if I want to have Splood, a piece of chocolate, I you just do. And don't beat myself up about it, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, good, this is good the eye. thing. This is the thing. But yeah,
1: having so one of the best diets I ever read, apart from eating whole food, and that's you know, as somebody said, a whole biscuit. No, not a whole biscuit. Whole food is try once a day to eat something that's new. Mm. Introduce something new to your diet across the entire month. So if you can do that, your microbes are going to mm-hmm. be all interactive, and that you're going to be all because. The better your gut is, the better your gut instinct is, in other words, the vagus nerve.
0: Yeah, interesting. And so yeah.
1: you're going to pick up on things. When the microbes change, when there's danger around, mm. that's what the vagus nerve picks up on mm. because we have sensors on the ends of we our haven't hands. We have
0: talked and... about gut health with that light. That's really interesting. Yeah, so
1: the better it, better it operates, the better your brain functions and the the greater the opportunity to understand and decipher gut instinct.
0: Yeah, yeah. Gosh, that's a, probably another whole podcast in itself. I've got one final question before we wrap today, and it has been really interesting, and it always is interesting um, connecting with you, Lance. I wanted to know just after all these years, you know, of being in the front line, and you're in the fr- you were in the front line with the police, but you're in the front line now with corporates and the work that you do where you, you know, coach and teach people, one key life lesson that you've learned?
1: Be as kind to yourself as you are to others. That's my message today. You know, um, I, I finish off my sessions by saying go with your heart and not your head because your heart knows best. But um, my goal, you know, and I got asked a similar question, "What's your? what would you like to be known for? Well, I'd like to be known for for helping someone. You know, if I can get one person a day to go home and say I need help, if I can get one person just to focus on themselves and if I can get us all to stop beating ourselves up mm. about little things. You know, I've got lots of traits. Everybody's got lots of traits. Some, I, I don't like them, but I know I'm doing it. You know, I've got this thing of desire I've got to win. And any little win, will. well, you know, that's just, you just need to just lighten up. Yeah. It's very hard to do. So I guess be kind to yourself. Love yourself. Love yourself. Look, I don't love myself. <laughs> see, and the thing is, <laughs> I don't. I mean, I what I want people to do to, to see how the brain works, look in a mirror and then take a photo of yourself. Now hold that photo up on that mirror. I will guarantee you you'll see two different people. Because try you can't
0: it. face tune the photo.
1: Try it. <laughs> okay. No, try it though. Put yeah. the image of you <clears throat> and the photograph beside each other. <clears throat> I will you guarantee you, you, see, yourself you, you see yourself differently. Different lens, yeah. At different lens yeah. than what others do. Mm. Uh, and when you do that, it's very, very powerful. Mm. But, but just be kind on yourself. You know, celebrate that we are all different and that's what makes us unique. Yes, we can make some a whole lot of these. They're not generalizations. They're actually certainties on the way the brain processes yeah. information, right? Yeah. But we are all unique in what we've done in our life. There's no two identical brains the same. Even identical twin studies have been thrown out. So the biggest thing is we tend to be more kind to others than ourselves. Mm. So learn to, yes, I did wrong. Yes, I should know better. Yes, I will try and do better next time. I feel like crap. Let it go.
0: It's a great way to um, close t- today's conversation. Uh, be kind to yourself and be reflective, but ultimately be kind to yourself. Yeah, thank you, Lance. Pleasure. It's been great to chat with you. Pleasure. We've, had it, we've had a few laughs along the way too, <laughs> which is always good, isn't it? Important. Yeah, enjoy enjoyed today's session. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in and joining our conversation and stay tuned for more episodes. Please rate, review and subscribe. Check out the show notes if you'd like to contact this episode's interviewee. At Source, podcast does not accept any liability for the results of any actions taken or not taken upon the basis of information in this podcast or for any errors or omissions. Those acting upon information do so entirely at their own risk. We recommend that you seek professional assistance from certified doctors for your health and well-being issues.